Hey, what's up? It's Reflections of a DJ, the road podcast presented by DJ City and Beat Source. I know you're used to hearing Crooked, Neva, Jamie, and Dee, but over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about some of their greatest moments. My name's Nudia. I am a radio personality and DJ here in Vegas, day one listener, and the guys have come a long way. It's been over 200 episodes, countless special guests, and a ton of stories. This is the Best of the Road podcast. Kicking it off, we're going to episode 99, where Neva talks about the complications of having a 9 to 5 and transitioning into being a full-time DJ. You were DJing, and then what were you? Were you had a job? I know you was, you I was like a long time, history in retail. Was, at the time, I was um, I got a job. At, um, at first, I was working at Canal Jeans. Oh, you remember that spot in Manhattan? I've heard. I, I got it, was like in, um, right? it was like in a village. Around NYU. Kind of close around there. Yeah, like, it was like on um, Broadway, like where where was like that? Broadway off of Spring Street, like where Transit would be. Yeah, exactly. That was yeah, it. Yeah. That was Canal Jeans. So yeah, I was working. Transit there. was the old Canal Jeans. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. After that, after Canal Jeans, I got a job at working for the city. House. I was doing janitor work for New York City Housing Authority. So I was like mopping floors in the project, picking up picking up shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. How much was minimum wage back then? Do you remember that? No, I was getting good. I had um, benefits. Okay. I had a good pay. It was, it was a city job. For a city job. For like a 23-year-old. I was so like fucking good, man. What was it? Hmm? What was it? What were you making? What was your rate? I forgot how much. No, it was, I, it was, dude, it was like every 200. It was like every two weeks. It was like maybe like 600 or something. What? 1,200? No, no, no. 600 for two weeks. Every that's, two weeks. That's, that's so good. That was like that's after taxes and shit. Yeah. Damn, that's really good. Yeah. And benefits? And benefits, <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Holy shit, really? And then like when you do overtime, <laughs> like, you get double. You, do? you get double what you was getting. Yeah, exactly. Time and a half. Holy fuck. So that's why he was that. always laced up in the, in the freshest polka dots. Yeah. <laughs> that's right, man. <laughs> <laughs> the colorful Doc Martin. So I was doing that, yeah. But you was telling me you wasn't even really working. Y'all were like smoking blunts and drinking Hennessy yeah. in the private. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, it was like, if you could, if you knew how to get away with it, you could get away with mad shit. Like, if you, if you start having the money, you start having to like mop the floors, mop the buildings in the morning, sweep the floors, mop it. But instead of doing that, we would like find a crackhead. We'll yeah. pay him to do it. We'll be like, yo, we give you $10 or like a bottle of like e and J or something. Life hack for and real. The, and the crackhead would do the work for us. So who was your go-to crackheads? Where would you look for them? We had like, <laughs> we had, no, we had ones that we worked with all the time. Everyone had one, so. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> had one. Like, they had a sh- they showed up. Would they line up in front of the project? No, no, we just, knew, we just knew it was cool with them. It was like, yo, you ready to work? It's like, yo, here. Yeah. Where will you find them, though? Like, you no, were just they, they lived there. They, lived they got the their project. own you just knock on like a 13 no, beat? No, they'll be ready for work. They'll be like waiting outside. Like, yo, really? <laughs> they, they showed up for work every day. They had like, a job. It was like the outside of Home Depot. You just walk out of the projects and they were ready to go. My boy was They're like, pick me, pick me. This guy named Tyrone. He was that was Tyrone. my Tyrone. <laughs> <laughs> like Tyrone, you ready to work? He's like, yo, what was his last name? Bingham. I don't Bingham's. know, man, but it was like he like he do a better job than me. So I was like, yeah. <laughs> and then while he's working, I'd be um, I'd be in like a I don't know if I, I was cool with someone. I'd be in the apartment just chilling, just <laughs> in relaxing, the watching TV, Were you watching, watching Jerry Springer. Were you wearing the uniform? Yeah. <laughs> Come, yo, that was crazy. Come bro. out after just checking it out, supervising. Like, yeah, yo, exactly. Yeah, good shit, Tyrone. I mean, there's a lot. Yo, there's a lot of floors in the project. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah, twenty stories. Yeah, twenty. Yeah, 
So the crackhead did all 20 in like yeah. one day? <laughs> 20 yeah, minutes? You, you one that. hour? You had to do that. You yeah. gave him $10 for <laughs> mopping 20 floors? <laughs> Some <laughs> fucked up shit. And, do, and then do the lobby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Or a bottle of E and J. Or a bottle of E and J, Craig. Swear to God. Fucking nuts, yo. And then <laughs> crack. <Yeah. laughs> fucking crackhead. That's man. an honest job, though. That's yeah. an honest job. He's not robbing nobody. Yeah. That's a and, lot and of yo, work. I mean, he, and he was I mean, there, was, there was times like when I was like tired, I didn't want to do it. I was going to be like, yo, you want to work? He's that was like, like yeah. everyday thing. Though. It wasn't. At first, it wasn't. All right, but what was the job? <laughs> now I'm curious about the job requirements. Were you required to, to mop 20 floors in one day? We was required to sweep the floors. The whole shit. Every day, sweep the floors, mop the lobby. And then we would have to mop the floors like um, maybe once a week. Like all twenty floors, so we do like. But you had to do, do like one 10, day? We do ten one day, and then we do ten the next day. Uh, and then we have to like the um, crackhead would. And do then it. his was fucked up about the projects. Somebody was always shit in the fucking steps, so we had to clean Who's up the shit. Who's doing that? Who the fuck is shit? Crackheads. Tyrone. People? Tyrone. It could be Tyrone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tyrone. So yeah, he, man. Kept, he keep getting work. He keeps shitting on the fucking job papers. security, dog. <laughs> He's like, give me credit, so, like, man. <laughs> So supervisor, so, so, a supervisor so never came out. You know what's so funny? The supervisor <laughs> was my niece's father. <laughs> he got me the job, and he knew your so scheme. If he, if he, he, you he never knew I was doing this shit, so I had to do it on the fucking <laughs> down low. Did you but ever you, tell him? But you would no. get in so much trouble if they saw a crackhead mopping, the, like the nineteen. <laughs> I think they knew, but as long as the as long as the work was done, they didn't like really fuck with us. What was the crackhead wearing? I'm just <laughs> trying to picture it in my head. <laughs> I regular clothes. <laughs> I literally. <laughs> there would be times we, we have to wear like all blue. You know, in the house, you, you have uniform? to wear blue. I gave him a shirt like, yo, wear the blue shirt. <laughs> and then. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you saying this? <laughs> you saying this all in your head right now? Doesn't it sound crazy though? It does not. <laughs> think about it. Yeah. <laughs> This sounds like some crazy ass shit, though. Yeah. Like, if your son did this, you would be fucking fuming. I know, yeah, of course, man. <laughs> Yo, work smarter, not harder, though. Huh? Work smarter, not harder. Don't say that. That's a horrible thing. <laughs> My dumbass would have been the dude that, like, did all 20 floors in one day. Just the same time. I know, that's that's a really dumb thing about the way I was raised. See, the way I was raised, I'm not saying that you were raised fucked no, up. No, no, no. I mean, but the way I was raised, I would have been like, you know what? I'm going to finish all 20 floors. I'm going to mop all 20 floors come on, <laughs> in one day. And then, you know, hopefully they'll get me a raise. But it was like, you have, to do, you have to do all that shit. And also, you have to, like, clean the compactors. But <laughs> everybody, everybody shoot the, um, throw the garbage in the, yeah. um, and shoot. So, yeah, you had to, like, fucking bag it up. Jesus so that Christ. was like the worst part of the job. Damn, <laughs> that's why. I that? And I had to do that. Yeah, <laughs> that's why they gave you six hundred every two weeks. Yeah, but that was that's a lot of money after taxes, bro. It at was, that not time, too bad. Nah, it wasn't bad at all. Fuck, man. So Especially after my at my age, yeah. So you were DJing while you were doing that. I started DJing while I was working at housing. Mm. But then you told me you were working at like Banana Republic. Yeah, and shit. I was doing that also. Damn. Like, Meanwhile, okay. the crackhead was clean. He was doing banana. Yeah, I was like <laughs> vesting up for my job at Banana Republic. <laughs> <laughs> and I worked and like I worked at housing from like nine to five. Get changed to go to Manhattan. I worked at the um, one on Columbus Avenue on Seventh Street. And from six to ten I worked in Banana Republic. Wait, which one did sales. you work at? Um Seventh and Columbus Avenue. Wow. 
I mean, that's close to where yeah. I was on 97. That one. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's fucking crazy. So I was doing that. And while I was doing that, that's when I started DJing, like doing clubs. And then, but you were doing shady shit at Banana Republic too. Uh, I'm having not talk about that. <laughs> 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 oh my God. Since we're in New York, let's head over to episode 129. Special guest Mel Starr talks about being a 9-11 survivor, but losing his hearing in one ear in the process, giving him his nickname, Mr. No Headphones. But I did notice when you, when you, when you were DJing and stuff, you didn't have headphones. Yeah, man. I'm fucking deaf. Really? God damn it, I'm deaf. Like yeah. fresh or deaf? Or like or? real deaf. Oh, like, real in deaf. both so, ears? Nah, just the left ear. So 9-11. I was in 9-11 when all that shit happened yeah. and uh-huh. shit crashed down and real short story. And um, the... The the jet the fighter jets when them shits came across, you know like how we you know when we go to parties and the shit is so loud we like man we could take it we can go home yeah. the shit will level out and um yo that shit came down it was and that shit was just rattling so hard and um was you in the building or was you- I was getting the fuck out of the building yes I was running because wow. the first the first explosion went down. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "How close? How close?" I was in the building. In the building. In the building. In the building. I came out the building. I looked up. I seen the first one go, and I did this. Did you go straight to the train station? Because one of my I I went to the car. One of my boys is like in the building when the first plane hit. When um top when the plane hit the first tower. Right. He was in the building. He just like ran out. Yeah. He went straight to the train station. So what were you doing in the building? Yo, I at the time I was working in corporate. Okay, cool. And um, I actually had something that I needed to bring to the company that was downtown. So I was like, you know what? I'm going home. I'll take it for y'all in my, you know, my way of going yeah, home. Sure. I went to take the package to these guys. And all you heard was, and the shit just, and I was in the building. I wasn't upstairs yet, but I was in the building. And everybody's looking around like, what the fuck was that? You were in Tower 2 or Tower 1? Uh, I believe The one that got hit first. It got to be Tower 1. Yes, Tower 1 got hit first. I was in the next tower, but you, I mean, like when I tell you, this shit sounded like, it was like, and then shit just was, it was incredibly loud. You mean when it collapsed? When it collapsed. Oh, shit. So... I was like, oh, nah, I need to get the fuck up out of here. I w- and I drove down there. So by the time I jumped in the car and went across the Brooklyn Bridge. Did the first tower collapse? Yes. Yeah. And then it was the second shit was like, as I was going across the bridge, it was wow. like, boom, boom. And you still heard that shit. And I still heard that shit. And I was like, yo, what Were the you thinking fuck? back when you heard the second one? Like, what the fuck is. Yo, I'm t- the first one was enough. You know. When shit go off with gunshots or whatever is or yeah, whatever, yeah. it's <laughs> like either you getting the fuck out of here or you hauling ass. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And that was really But that that that, that was like inconceivable yeah, for anything man. like that to but even you couldn't prepare. We couldn't like, even fathom for yeah. something it, like that it to was, even happen. This shit was like pure shock. Like yeah. it was the next like, level of evil. Yeah. Like to, to yeah. plan that shit and just Bro. like fly a fucking yeah, plane yeah. into a building. Yeah, yeah. being in the West Coast, I didn't understand. Well, I was ten, eleven at the time. But when they start saying, "Yo, everything's closed. Disneyland's Yo, closed. Everything's they closed." They shut. The whole city got shut down. The whole city is like nothing. The whole city changed. Don't yeah. go outside. Yeah. Nothing. Like it was like, nope, stay indoors. I don't care. Like mm-hmm. nothing moved. Like nothing was moving at yeah. all. 
Yeah. It was a horrible, horrible day. That was. A I, I, day. I think nightlife definitely got affected by it. Yeah, I don't think the, it came back after that. Yo, real it changed, rap, definitely changed, yeah. changed. Real definitely. rap, and I think like right after that, yeah, is when like the big clubs, like all the clubs, started like simmering and just closing down, and yeah, yeah, and it was just like, oh shit. You know, yeah, man. It was crazy. So it, was it was weird because you wanted to like weather the storm and kind of just get back to life, but it was you want to support these clubs. But what do you do to go? What do you what do you go to clubs for to have a good time and to party and to forget what's happening and everybody in was depressed day to day life? Yeah, yeah. It, it was tough. It was. Yeah. I, I watched yeah. the second building come down from my backyard. Yeah, that's, really that's crazy. Not so it was the fighter jets that ultimately the fighter jets that went across because it it was so low. Uh-huh. So like mm. literally, you could like see the fire coming out of oh shit, yeah. yeah. So that that really meant it was that low, and that noise is what knocked out my hearing. So That's you up. know, I'm yeah, like, yeah. I you know, again, we you know, we go to parties and we're you know, the the noise is like in our ears, and then yeah. eventually we're like, ah, we go to sleep, we lay down. It'll come back in a couple of hours. I'm like, I didn't come back yet. And I'm like, all right. It's, it's been a, two weeks. Wow. It's a two weeks. Oh, <laughs> shit. It's a month. Yeah. And and trust me when I tell you, man, it, it was so fucking frustrating. It was mm-hmm. frustrating as fuck. Yeah. And um, because ultimately when you're mixing, I mean, yeah. I don't know how you guys are. You, your headphones. You, yes. Mean, the way I am, man. You're listening to your headphones in your left ear. Yeah. And man. I'm listening to the speakers on the right ear. Yeah. The monitor speakers. So. Absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm blending. You know, Absolutely, both ears. But when you lose one ear, it's like this is and this is know? gonna be a great conversation because all you DJs that are out here that are not using headphones, you need to fucking use your headphones. Use it, the cam. Use your headphones. <laughs> like the shit is important. <laughs> well, why? Just well, why do you say that? Because your fucking headphones. <laughs> but why? But why? Because then, because all of the train wrecks. <laughs> That we also hear, yeah, because everybody was saying, like, just like, don't be shitty just, DJs. But you're yeah, okay. Like, you're okay not to use headphones. You. Yeah, like it's. But you know, it, it, it makes wish, no sense for you to tell I them to wish, use headphones. But I you, wish you wish you could use headphones. I wish I could use headphones. Like I did an old school. I did like I did like an old school set at this venue at this lounge, mm-hmm. and I was like mixing a lot of like I don't know like uh, like brick house. Mm-hmm. A lot of like cooling the gang shit. A lot of shit is like offbeat. Drums. Yo. That's yeah, right. Live. Oh, cool <laughs> the gang. Ladies' night. Yeah. That, that drummer did a line of coke like <laughs> towards the tail end. This yo. is your night tonight. Everything is the best. <laughs> yo, what, what is doing? up? What is up with these motherfuckers? Oh, like like that set though. It's like a lot of live instrumentation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. Like, yeah. But like you, like the beginning of a song will be at like one ten, and then it'll end up at one twenty. It's one thing if the beat slips, but like some cooling the gang shit. They were just like, fuck it, let's go from like one thirteen. Fuck it, I'm in the groove. Like you say, just into ladies' night, the drums just like speed That's up. That's what I'm saying. When they go, <laughs> your night, it goes from like 110 to like. By the time it goes to the sophisticated mama, yeah. you're like, oh shit, this is going fast. Yeah, like, going like, what else? <laughs> <laughs> this made it even better when you were doing that. Yeah. Sophisticated yeah. mama. I see the that's, good thing yeah. about that shit though that you're saying, yeah. and and that's this is the most important thing is that you know the record. See, that's the point, and that's something that I've learned afterwards because it was like you know I, i've been playing these records for a long time so yeah. i what i call the pocket so if you don't if you know the pocket of these records mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to shift through and mix records and you know yeah, and get out you know yeah. without having that that problem yeah, yeah. so <laughs> when you when you get new music do you just study the music um i listen your to pockets? everything that i listen i listen to everything yeah. before i play it everything so I have to. Um, I don't really. I, I'll cue it 
sometimes it all depends on the records because most of the records are like probably front up start uh-huh. or um i don't really like I don't really use like what are the intro, intro records? This yeah. intros. Yeah. I, I noticed really that last those. night. Like you didn't. Yeah, really use I'm intros. like right yeah. on the on record. The you know, yeah, on the one or if I slap it in. Or I use extendeds. I use yeah. a lot of extendeds. Yeah, yeah, I love it. It's rare that you can get DJs to agree on anything, but when it comes to "Be Faithful" by Fat Man Scoop and Crooklyn Clan, you have to admit it's a big song. In episode 48, Fat Man Scoop talked about creating the track with Crooklyn Clan members DJ Scissorhands and DJ Riz and speaks about the obstacles they face to get this song Be Faithful cleared from the record labels, as well as the complicated aftermath that still follows the record to this day. I wrote the chants, I would voice them, and then we would arrange them. Sometimes they told me one thing, I took one thing from them. And And he he said like you would... Was it, was you, it, three you times. would just repeat it like four yeah, times? Yeah, that's exactly, that's 100% right. Like I would say, hands up, hands up, hands up, hands up, and then they would take it and they would do whatever the fuck they do, quantize right, right. and mm-hmm. whatever, because you always say fucking quantize. He would run that fucking word in the ground. Right. Um, and, then, and then what would happen is they would come back and they would put it together the way they wanted. And then I would come back and we would literally argue to like, fuck you. And you, everybody was getting motherfucked about the arrangement of the song. Like, of and, when the beats came in. No, no, and just how, what sample went here. Maybe, right, they, right. maybe they took hands up and they put it over at the end. I was like, no, it got to be at the front. Or it mm-hmm. got to be at the break. And, and we would just do like that until we felt it was right. And that's how it happened. Absolutely, it was a three-man effort. Period. Absolutely, unequivocally, it was a three-man effort. That's a fact. And then, what was the feeling you had when you when you heard that sound for the first time? It was amazing. Like, like I felt a blessing. I was mm. blessed. But you knew you was it was some shit. I, you never know. It's the shit. Like, you think the man that made Rocky, din, 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 din. you think he came out the studio like, yo, this shit is going to be yeah, but, an I mean, anthem for... You, you, you must have known yeah, when you, you heard know, your voice on that yeah, shit. Yeah, but you never really know. You have an idea, but you never really know what's Because in your be. head, y'all were just fucking around. Yeah, we were just doing our shit. So I'm going to get back to... Oh, so, so, so you have an understanding of why I even became Fat Man Scoop on, a, right. on this level. This is why I became Fat Man well, Scoop. Well, I, I, I'm bringing this up because I also want to emphasize the fact that that I, assist, like, I know you're here to clear things up, mm-hmm, but I 100%. also want to emphasize the fact that there is a love and there, it was like an amazing was, thing that you guys put together. Listen, you know listen, what bro, I mean? Bro, and, this was past amazing. This was like a Jesus moment. That's why I get upset because of the way things happen. Right. But I'm going to delve into that. And I'm going to deep dive uh-huh. into that in a minute. Yeah. The reason that I became Fat Man Scoop was not because I wanted to fucking do this. Here's the story. When you are a radio promo guy, you get to know people. Yeah. So you get to know all the DJs. You have a relationship with them. My brother was going, wanted to, he was in high school. He had grown up during all this time I'm working records, and he had wanted to go to college. He wanted to go to Hampton University. My parents had money, but they didn't have real money mm-hmm. to, to spend 50, to break 50 off to do this. So I heard DJ Cool let me clear my throat, and I was like, fuck, I can do that. That's crowd participation. Fuck it, let me do this. And that's how I went to them and did that, right? Mm-hmm. The only reason I even ever made those records was to get enough money to put my brother through school. I was like, if I can make a record and make $500 a show, 
I can do a hundred shows and I can put them through the first year of Hampton University and my parents don't got to worry about it. Long story short, I did that. He went to school. He got out of school. He went on the road with me for two or three years. He went to Cardinal Hayes. He went to he went on the road with me for two wow. or three years. Mm-hmm. He said, you know something? I want to be my own man. I got him an internship at Razor Sharp Records with, with Rizza. He left there. He went to TVT with um, Theo, right? He went there. He did the internship, got a call from Def Jab. Him and Steve Carlos got hired at the same time to become the promo department. They became the promo department. He befriended a guy named Rick Ross who had a record called Hustling. They fucking got, had a great relationship, loved each other. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm starting something called Maybach Music. I want you to be the president of Maybach Music. Wow, so my shit. brother's name is Young Sab. I don't know if any of you guys know him, but his name is Young Sab. Now, uh, he did that for years. Ross doesn't have a situation anymore yet, so that kind of went to the side. He has his own artist named Flip De Niro. Who yeah, yeah. has a huge song? Pop it right now. Right? Has a huge so, song. Yeah. Huge song. And I'm going to go into that real quick. Right? So now he found that kid. He manages that kid. And now they're getting ready to take it off because it's on Khaled's label. So when I first came out with Be Faithful, I was a promo guy. But I needed another guy to help me. It was a guy named Chris LaMonica from Loud Records. And he helped me take that record all around the country. And we worked it. And that's why that record became a hit because people said, oh, shit. I was telling people, yo, I'm doing this to put Kendall through school. They were like, what? Are you doing this to put your little brother through? We, we know Kendall. Cosby Kendall was like, yeah, I know little Kendall. And they heard the record. They were not only is this shit dope, but you putting him through school, we helping him. Gone. Kendall turned around and did the same shit with DJ Khaled. So... Khaled's early records, Kendall and Khaled were, were the ones who moved those records around. And that's why he got signed to We The Best, because Kendall was part of like his Khaled's team, basically. Mm-hmm. So they all came in a circle, and all my blessings, I, put my, I got my brother through school, I got him to a place in life, and that's why Be Faithful, Hands Up, and all those records are big. It ain't because of scissor hands. It ain't because of the radio. It's because it was done with God's love, man. I, I did something for somebody other than myself, and that's why this is moving 20 years later. Facts. Shit. It's real shit that I'm just giving you. I know maybe nobody give a fuck about it, but it, it means a lot to mm-hmm. me. So when scissor comes up here and say this kind of shit, I got to come and say what it really is. So anyway... The first person to play them, because he said the first person was Ted Dillinger, maybe in the club, but the first person to play that record ever was Flex on the radio. Back then, they, we used to have acetates. Oh, yeah. yeah. I got the acetate from the pressing shit, and I took it to Hot 97. This was the Hands Up record. Flex got the acetate direct from the facility. I fucking gave it to him, and I said, I maybe I'll play it in a day or two, whatever. I gave it to him early in the day. That night, I heard, where my niggas? I said, oh, shit, Flex is playing it already. So I never had a conversation. I walked in. I walked in at 12 o'clock like I didn't know what the fuck happened. I didn't say nothing. Next day, where my niggas? The next day, the day I, I'm like, 
for five or six days because he's the only dude with it. Right. Then I get the test presses. I put the test presses in the air booth. If you ever been in Hot 97, there's an air booth. There's a big table. I put the test presses in there. The shit was gone. I said, okay. Fuck. All right. My, I never forget my man Jerry, Whoa. a.k.a. Nobody. He called me one day. He was like, yo, this shit is booming in the streets. This shit is booming. And if you listen, like, like Sis said, the production was crazy on that because there was a dude named Petey, Petey Mix, and he mixed the record high. He mixed the record high. I don't know what the fuck they were doing, but he mixed the record high. <laughs> Who the fuck mixes records high? Thank you, Petey, in Jesus' name, but you mixed the record high and you know that. Who, who mixes records high, bro? Who the fuck does? No, there's probably many of people that yeah, mix it. Nah, nah, yeah, yeah, people that you fucking know that mix the record high, right? Um, so then, later on, Scissor in this interview, Scissor says that they never asked, he never asked for permission to sample, sample any of these records. Mm-hmm. That's a lie. Because I was the one who would ask for permission. Being that I was on Hot 97, I would go to the label. Not, I wouldn't go to the label, I would go to the artist. So I went to Buster first. I said, yo, Buster, I'm going to use your shit. Yeah, all right, whatever. Remember, it's Hot 97. Only, state, only station in the format in the country. Mm-hmm. So whatever we wanted to do, we did it. Right? Yeah. You had that leverage. We had that leverage. The set, beef, um, um, where you at? I, I didn't go to DMX. I went to Mike Kaiser at Def Jam. I said, yo, bro, I'm going to use this. Yeah, do your shit. Be faithful, I went to Puff. And I was like, yo, Puff, I got this record. Now, this is Puff at Bad Boy now. So now he's sitting behind a table with fucking, it's all glass diamonds in the table. It's like, it looks like a bunch of glass diamonds, like fucking... A big table, like just diamonds like that. Yeah. I go in with the dat, and I'm like, "Fuck your, fuck your, your basketball." <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, so I go and I say, "Yo, bro, this is the demo of the song we got called Be Faithful. We sampling Faith Evans. We sampling Love Like This.'" So he takes it, and Puff go, "Okay," and he puts it in the fucking dat machine, right? And back then there were two ways. The whole time the record's on, bing, 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 you got a hundred dollar bill. He's just like, yo, give me some fucking salad. Like, you know, like, yo, what the fuck you doing? Like, you know, like, just general puff shit. Delegating. Yo, I told you it's fucking Thursday. And all I do it, all I do in the fucking two way. He's like doing the two way everything, right? So, I take it out. Now I got my head down, so I take the dad out, and I'm like, well, what did you think? And, dad, and Puff was like, yeah, yeah, man. So I walked out, and I was dejected. I was dejected. I couldn't believe I, I, He made me think that that was the worst fucking record in the history of records. Three, three, week, three or four weeks later, I'm, in the, I'm, I'm working at High 97 midnight. I get a phone call. Now, in the radio, when you, ha- when you work in radio, you have a hotline, which is for artists. And, I mean, you have a warm line for artists, and you have the hotline for artists. Then you got some other shit. That's like the owner. If you get that fucking one, you, you might as well just pack your bags and leave. The fucking third line rings. I'm like, oh, shit. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. What the fuck? I, I was cursing. I know I was cursing. I fucked up. Right? I pick up the phone, and it's Puff in the club. And you can hear in the back, you got a $100 bill, get your hair big. You can hear all that shit. 
and you can hear the crowd roaring. He said, yo, Scoop, this shit is crazy. It's fucking crazy. I said, yo, bro, you you told me it was garbage three weeks ago. I don't give a fuck. It's hot. And then you hung up the, he hung up the phone. And that's oh when I God. knew, that's when I knew that Be Faithful was going to be some shit. Wow. That's when I knew, that's, that's when I knew that Be Faithful was going to be some shit. We've learned a lot of lessons from the podcast over the years. Especially if someone is sober, there's probably a really crazy story as to why. In episode 29, DJ Vice told us his and his stink going sober and how it affected his party persona in the club. So when we first started drinking Patron, like all like all of us did, it actually was a brand called Siete Leguas in Mexico. Damn, I'm sounding so Mexican now. Like this. That's, <laughs> that's, that's a pretty good accent. No, right? I can't pronounce it. The funny thing he can say it, I and it's really good. Shit. I can say my fucking he last name, bro. His Aguirre. Aguirre, puto. Listen. He can't say, he can't, he can't say azul. As, yeah, it's, it's he can, a little sketchy. He even though it's azul. He's like, azul. Yeah, like, azul. What the fuck? Darren, Darren, say azul. Azul. Say azul. 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 Gesundheit. There it is. Say azul. Thank you. Azul. So, so Patron used to be good, and they just, yeah, you know, it's owned by like Vidal Sassoon or Paul, Paul Mitchell. Paul Mitchell, That's yeah. Paul Mitchell That's even, dis- even more yeah. reason not yeah. to yeah. drink yeah. that shit. So from it got, when motherfuckers who make shampoo is making your liquor, it's a problem. <laughs> that don't sound right. So, so Obi-Wan is, is, and Five are like the first DJs that really took me under their wing in Vegas. And, and Obi-Wan's story is like when we first started playing Body English, I would order vanilla stoli and pineapple. That was my drink. <laughs> Bro, <laughs> one to two of those, I was good. That was my shit. Wow. And then Obi finally called me out. He's like, yo, bro, you can't drink this shit. I remember he's like, you can't order a vanilla stolium it's like pineapple. A, it's, a, it's like a thought drink, no? Yeah, it's like a little fucking <laughs> thought drink with an umbrella on it. And my whistle was swirling. It went, <laughs> every time he drank. <laughs> fucking, it was like every time I said, so he was like, yo, you got to drink something else. Like, you can't drink this. And I was like, fuck, I'm Mexican. I might as well start drinking tequila. So I really didn't like wow, start man. drinking till like 2004, like in Vegas and body. Wow. Yeah, I drank a little bit, of course, like here and there. But and it, it became such a big part. But hip hop, it was fucking hip hop. It was, but I will say it was because I, I, mean? I met you in 2005. Yeah. And, by, and then. Throughout the years, it became a larger part of your whole. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're drunk already. They're dropping. I, I try to be smart. I was like, "Y'all, he's like, no, just That's throw only it." Only one <laughs> shot. Well, like it became a big part. I feel like it became a big part of like of a brand, right? Of Our your of the DJ Vice brand, the Patron, right? Yeah. Uh, true. The shots, and then like also bringing tables, entertaining people. Yeah. And then I remember, did kind of- did it become? Was that natural or did it become too crazy? Because uh. I remember at one point you were like, I'm not drinking. Yeah, I mean, you yeah, were like yeah, yeah. sober for like two a, years. For like a year and a half almost. Yeah. yeah. And then I, I don't want to say like it fucked with the brand. Yeah. But you were like, Fuck. God, you're good, bro. You're a fucking good interviewer. You're no. right. Yeah. Well, I was like, it kind <laughs> of. fucking right. <laughs> right. Well, well, so, like, well, here's the thing. It's, it's like when you saw Vice, right? He was the dude. It was like a fucking party in the booth. It yeah. was, like, it was you know, an experience, you're ca- actually. You're a charismatic, yeah. you're yeah. charismatic guy. Yeah. And it was like, wow, like it's crazy. It's turned up. It's almost to the point where the dance floor was just like watching y'all. Like, like wild the fuck like out. We want some of that. It was like the, the DJ booth was the VIP section. Yeah. 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 And everyone wanted to be there. Yeah. And then he was it was Patron. It was Patron time, Patron time. And it was just like <laughs> like seventeen dudes. Yeah, seventeen dudes. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. Right? Okay. So and then wait and then and then at a certain point, I, I wanna know what happened. I wanna know when you said, Look, 
I got to cut this liquor shit out. Yeah. But when he cut it out, it was like quiet. all of a sudden Crickets. it was quiet. Crickets. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to say like. <laughs> you want to hear the real story? And, it, and at, certain, <laughs> at a certain point, I feel like you were like, fuck, I got I to gotta drink again. This isn't yeah. working. Like yeah. this, this is, I've, I've made this brand of being like the party guy. And then all, and now I'm like, you know, now people are like expecting the party guy. Yeah. Like, yo, Vice, yo, let's do a shot. Like, oh man, I don't drink. And they're getting the the DJ. Like, oh man, he's just fucking DJ. Yeah. 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 Um. So here's the real story. Because I love when people say, oh, I stopped drinking. I'm like, why? They're like, no, I'm just taking a break. Like, come on, bro, yeah. chill. Something happened. It's health related. You right? did something. <laughs> yeah. I think, you told, I think you told me this story before. It was during the Lavo days. Oh yeah, it's Lavo yeah. days. Um. So so so. Going back to I started really like drinking in 2004. I look at I look at Body English and I look at the Hard Rock Hotel as my like I went to college. I got I joined a frat. I was Friday nights Body English resident, Saturday night Tao resident, Sunday night Body English Sunday school resident. Mm-hmm. So I was mm-hmm. in Vegas Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I've never lived here. I've had a place here, but I've never lived here. And I was living in the Hard Rock Hotel. It's fucking crazy. Like that's mind blowing to me. And this was during the rehab days when it was crazy. Crazy. Right? Crazy. It was a party hotel. So I, I went to, I had, I had my own frat room and, and upstairs of the hotel. So I, I'm, I'm drinking, I'm partying, I'm, I'm learning how to, how to drink with everyone. And I'm like, this is fucking nuts. Like, so drinking, 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 Lavo opens, I'm doing Lavo. And it's New Year's Eve weekend when we all play like six gigs in a row or like it's right. gig after gig after gig. And I remember <clears throat> my girl is asleep in the room waiting for me because we're supposed to fly out on vacation. And... I was out and I remember being, if you're in Vegas and you're a local here, you might see it. There's this fucking extended stretched pink Hummer that is still my worst nightmare because I yeah. remember jumping into it after Lavo and I was like, and everyone was like, we're going to the Rhino. And I was like, I'm not going to the Rhino. Drop everybody off at the Rhino and take me to my hotel. And then I, I fell asleep in the in the in the pink Hummer. <laughs> like hangover? <laughs> like fell asleep in the pink Hummer. And the driver couldn't wake you up or something? I'm just fu- I don't know what the fuck happened. He just, I'm asleep. I'm dead asleep. He drops everyone at the Rhino. I wake up and the fucking car is driving down the strip. And I'm like, bro, take me to my hotel. He's like, I don't know where I'm supposed to take you. And I'm like, the Cosmo. At the time, the Cosmo had just opened. He takes me to the Cosmo and I'm like, oh shit, we definitely missed our flight. We definitely oh, missed our girl, flight. And your girl was tight. And my girl was like, yo. And she's like, we missed it. And I, and I always give What time was that flight? I think it was like a 6 a.m. or so. Yeah, it was what, early. What kind of shit was that? Yeah, man. 7 a.m. maybe. I'll give it 7 maybe. That's uh, yeah, not, it's still early. That's it's not your early. fault. But you, I, you set I yourself up for failure. 100%. <laughs> you blame it. I, I, I had a fucking. Yo, but, but hold on. Lava was fucking. Popping, I had, yo, I had, a, he, I had a, he, yo, he tried to blame that shit on a pink Hummer. Yo, I know, right? No, no, because that, that Hummer scares me. That Hummer scares me. I've seen it. So, so, um, like lava was popping. We had like a fucking. I, I started a b boy circle at the end of the night. Omarion was in it. Afrojack was doing windmills. It was like some other shit. It wasn't Omarion. It was me. <laughs> now Tory Lanez was in the building. <laughs> and uh, and and we get back, and I remember, and I'm like, fuck. It like, wasn't and I and I and I and I knew like I fucked up. And I'll, I'll, I'll own my own shit. I'll whatever fuck up. And and my girl is, is on truth has never said stop drinking or don't drink. She's like, yo, just get your shit under control. Like you fucking miss. We missed our vacation. Mm. We're supposed to go on vacation. Life coach. And I was like, oh my, all right, I got this. And I was like, then I started going through like if anyone's ever tried to not drink, like you just go through the um, detox. 
Well, not detox. It was more like this. Like nah, I don't even have that because I'm. <laughs> I, I only drink when I'm DJing. It's fucking crazy. Right. Um. I go through that. Well, maybe I'll do one shot a night. Well, maybe I'll do one drink and right. one shot. Maybe mm. I'll do this. And then and then it was like, yo, in my mind, I was like, either you fucking drink or you don't drink. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and that was also the year I was getting married. So I was like, January fucking first. All right, no drinking. One month, 30 months. Let me just try and do no alcohol. And then you start stop drinking. And then I, I stop drinking. Then one month goes by, two months goes by, three months goes by. I, I get a role manager. I get an assistant. I, I, I open up. I start my own production company. I start getting all this shit like popping like together. Yeah, you, you, were, you were sober and productive. I was just fucking productive as shit. Like boom, 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 boom. And I set up shop. And I'm also planning a wedding this whole year. So I'm getting like everything done. But you're right. Then it's then my DJ sets are like, I'm not even looking up. I'm fucking staring down. I'm trying to do doubles again. I'm like super into DJ mode. And then I realize those customers that were coming out and popping bottles are like, oh, fuck. We're not going to buy him four bottles of Ace. Or we're not going to buy him two bottles of Patron. We're not going to buy, like, it's kind of quiet. And then a, 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 a club owner was like, yo, from, they went from saying, like, hey, make sure you keep your drinking under control, like in the DJ booth, to like, hey, what's going on? Like, we got to step this shit up. But, I, so I have a question about yeah. that. Because do you think you put yourself in a position where you became almost like a promoter? Yeah, and because like you know when I think of like certain DJs like an AM, like he didn't give a fuck. Yeah, about what the club wanted to hear. Right, he didn't give a fuck at all. At all, (laughs) he didn't give a fuck about the tables. Yeah, he would just do whatever he wanted, and it was kind of like, uh, it was just kind of like a a very different DJ when you were very much like like a promoter or like a, a personality yeah. like all, like a DJ and like a slash host I would I would cringe some nights cause AM would finish his set like in LA at two on the dot and they'd be like cut it and he wouldn't even like fade it out he would just slap the fader down like music's off let's go and I was like oh fuck like I can't even do that to this day like I have to like end a party on like a fade out transition smooth it out make sure everybody's right, good right. I'm a fucking people pleaser I've always been I know that's my Strength and weakness. It's a strength and weakness. But when I didn't drink for that year, I learned for myself how to be like, yo, fuck you. I'm not drinking with you. Like, there's so many times to this day, like, that was my, that was when I, like, worked out for a muscle for a year that I never knew that I had, that to be like, nah, I'm good. Like, you're the dude I don't even fucking know. You're the dude that's bringing me a shot that, like, just for your, like, I don't need to take a shot with you, bro. I'm good. Like, I'll drink with my friends. I'll drink with every people I want. But, like, it was like I really learned how to strengthen a muscle to be like to say no. For me, that's hard. Some people have it in you, like and you be like fuck you. That's what I do. Or you could be like fuck mm-hmm. you. I don't want to play that. Like, but it's it's that's I know what my weakness is, and that that was always it. I would just say yes to everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take a shot. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it would be like yo, chill. You're just yeah, yeah. fucking making all these other people. Out. You're not doing it for you. In this last clip, DJ Vice mentioned DJ AM, and if you took a shot for every time he was mentioned on this podcast, you would be well over incapacitated so many djs have had the chance to tell their dj am story how they were inspired influenced taken under his wing but in episode 17 shecky green explained how he got dj am his first million dollar residency here in las vegas well am of course pushed the agenda in terms of bringing every genre together and that became the standard you know like he set the standard very high and then everyone followed Mm -hmm. um 
but yeah, hip hop DJs, mashup DJs, as opposed to house DJs. Because back then the house was in the small room and hip hop was in the big room. Now it's back to that. I, I don't. I don't know where we're at in that cycle now. The yes. cycle it's is kind of confusing right now. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like the cycle goes. But in the beginning, in in the early those early O three days, house with D- Dead Mouse was in the back room and like with like a hundred people, <laughs> and Eddie McDonald was in the main room or whoever or Neva or you or whoever it was playing to the main crowd, and the house was a small thing. And then somewhere. You know, and I, I always feel like it somehow coincided with the passing away of DJ AM. Mm. Because when mm-hmm. he passed away is exactly when EDM, just EDM, EDM took off. Yeah. And without AM to kind of lead the way for the other side, there was no one stopping these European guys just from, from claiming to be the big. Well, they were big. I mean, they were because their producers are not just DJs, you know, the people that make <clears> records <throat> that everyone knows. And so it's like that's the reason that they got so big and mm. so forth. But... Um, I yeah. would say we would all agree with that theory, like everybody yeah, in this room. Yeah. yeah, when AM passed, and he was really the guy who was um, pushing the craft of DJing. Yeah, and I wouldn't even say he was pushing EDM music or anything, because at a certain point he was playing Daft Punk. I mean, no, he, he a, played all that. No, he played, he played all of that Punk. shit. Yeah. But he he did it like with some hip hop sense to it. He yes. did it with yeah. the yes. the old, not the old school, but he did it with the traditional hip hop craft of djing do you know yeah, what i mean absolutely and, and not what we see edm djs not all edm djs but most edm djs don't dj they mm-hmm. don't dj mm-hmm. right. you know it's crazy like that year he passed uh he did edc he was at edc he yeah. performed at yeah. edc and it was like mad hip-hop ish and it's not even like it was not edm yeah you're right i mean man. he was he was still dropping uh well, what do he you call it? He was playing Metallica around the world and something. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, he was playing yeah. a bunch of crazy shit. But he was playing. Um, what do you call it? Today is gonna be yeah. the day. He was Oasis. still. Yeah. He was yeah. still playing Oasis. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. them, he was doing that that legendary set that mm-hmm. he does. You know yeah. what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. And so that. So you know, I mean, what I, what I like to say when I reflect on all those years is, I was lucky. I lived through two golden eras: the golden era of hip hop, which is close to my heart, and the golden era of EDM. Which is not necessarily close to my heart, but I did see a lot of shit. And I did get to see, uh-huh. you know, at that point I was ended up working with the win pretty much. After I did the booking DJs for a while, I ended up basically becoming that role at the win. So I was working with the win nightlife from about 2009 to 2014 or so, and 14, 15. And Crazy. But, that was during the EDM explosion. But we we got to go back a little bit to AM and Mark Ronson. Okay. Now, when we were DJing, DJs were getting a certain amount of money. And I don't know if it attributes to you and what you were doing to negotiate the deals, but Shecky was negotiating and somehow making these million-dollar motherfucking deals for DJs yeah. that no one ever fucking heard of. I remember when AM's... First, signed the first $1 million contract or a multi-million dollar contract with Pure. Yeah. with Pure. Yeah. And he would be off to the side saying like, yeah, yeah we got some, we got some, we got some cooking. What was that, we got 2006? Some was that 2006? When that, when uh, Seven, AM's first? Seven, maybe? No, six no. Or seven? No, no. It was, it, was, it was earlier. It was like five or six. Yeah. Five or six. Yeah. Um, yeah, the biggest, the biggest, AM was leading the way creatively. He was also leading the way in the terms of business because he, was very good at recognizing his own self-worth. That was the lesson of, of many lessons I learned from him. It was know what you are worth and 
stand up for it. Like he was like starting to get more and more popular. And first he was getting 1,500 out here. Then he was getting 2,500 out here. Then he was getting 5,000 out here. And it kept going up and up. And then he made that big move to Pure. And there was a story which I've told before, which involves basically me sitting down with Stevie D, who was the head of Pure at that time. Um, and throwing, I mean, we had discussed, you know, I wasn't, I was AM's Vegas friend and like Vegas agent, you could say. I wasn't really his manager, but I sometimes played that role a little bit. And I had discussed with the other people like what we wanted. And basically, I walked in and, and you know, I, I said he was already the biggest DJ in Vegas at that point. He had been doing um, hard rock, right? Yeah. Prior to that, right? Mm -hmm. So he was the by far, and he was also dating Nicole Richie. Mm -hmm. So he was in the People magazine every week. I mean, he was like on t on the news every night on like Entertainment Tonight and stuff like that. Yeah. He was a very big star at that moment. And so we walked into the room and I said to Stevie D, hey, look, man, like if there's who would be the biggest possible DJ I could help get for you right now? And he's like, AM? And I was like, yes, there is an opportunity at the right price that he will jump ship. And he's like, what's that price? And I, I, I told you I play poker, so I put my poker face on. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I wrote it's like one of those old school movies I wrote on a piece of paper you slid it to him I slid it to him I didn't even want to utter the words because I I knew if I said it like my voice would crack or something you know I didn't want to like say the word mm -hmm. and I, I can be honest a piece of paper said $20,000 for a night per night it's a 20, 20, 20k or something right uh -huh. and he goes and he looks at it and he goes I can do this and he wrote back and it said like 18500 and I was like, and I was like, this is it. I remember all the books I've read about negotiation. If you don't do it now, you're never going to like claw it back. So I wrote back 19,500 and he said, okay. So basically after that happened, you know, the news got out yeah. and not by me, but you know, AM and his people, not a, somebody in his camp started blabbing about it. And we so all, everybody, we all heard about it. Everybody we all heard about, about, about it. Knew about yeah. that shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everyone found out, and like it raised the bar up here. Exactly, so now it's like okay, fifty nights, a, you know, every weekend, once a week, fifty times a year, twenty k a night. That's a million dollars. So that's why that that whole thing started. Of the million dollars was was from that moment. Basically. And then and so and you're the reason why we get cheese now. <laughs> Appreciate well, it, Shay. Well, he's the reason why we got cheese. And then when AM passed, we kind of, it, it kind of fell through a little bit, but. Mm. Yeah, so when that happened, it gave every DJ the opportunity to renegotiate and raise their prices <laughs> up, which was a good thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And you the ceiling got a lot higher. Yeah. The ceiling got way higher. Yeah, he right? broke it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you raised the ceiling even higher when he moved to the Palms, right? Yeah, that was – yeah, that was – and also, don't forget, he also did LAX. LAX is oh, right. Yeah, yeah, there was another stop in, the, in between because that was another Stevie D – club was lax but he was bouncing from like pure and lax or no i think he was doing both of those at the same time i think so um wait they were doing tangerine so tangerine right i don't think am did tangerine no 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 but that was stevie d right that was stevie that d. was stevie d yeah. yeah but am was doing pure and um lax okay Where yeah back and forth this yep. is after body english after body, after body english, english. Yes. yeah and that was the same and then he st the first gig ever was at this one at Light, this, this, this DJ series I mentioned. That was his first Vegas gig. How was that? That was awesome. He killed it. He destroyed that. That was. Uh, I, I have a story. Was you there <laughs> the, first, the first time AM ever did Light back in 02? So not this big city DJ series? No, before this. 
Oh, I didn't know there was an earlier one. Well, this, Are you sure I was, you're not the same one? You might be talking about the same one I don't or think not? so. I was in New York. I was flying from New York to Vegas to DJ. And it had double booked us, me and AM. And this is back in the days when light, they had the rotary mitzvah. Okay, like a They didn't Yuri? have a cross fader. Exactly, yeah, yeah. They didn't have a cross fader. Uh-huh. And they booked AM to DJ. And he couldn't DJ. He didn't want to do it. So he didn't, he didn't get on or he did get on? He tried to get on, but he couldn't. He didn't want to fuck with the rotary. There was, was no like, fader. There was, was no fader. And he was just like, ah, I don't know. Was this like a corporate event or like a regular club? A regular club night. Hmm, I didn't know about that. I honestly never heard nah. about that. I never heard that story. Sending love and a big rest in peace to DJ AM. Our last best of clip comes from episode 65. It needs no introduction. All I'm going to say is Joe to the motherfucking low. <laughs> Joe to the motherfucking low. <laughs> he looks like he's your cousin, by the way. Nah, man. Yeah, I'm this up. dude was like... Fucking Joe Low! <laughs> Yo, he was, was he a nice he guy? Was, Wait, first and foremost, was he a nice guy? When well, he, he was, was a couple of levels from God status. <laughs> now he is. <laughs> <laughs> Jolo was not God status, but I'm sure he had enough money to pay God to come down and party with him <laughs> at the club. Let's hear this now. Yo, man. It's, Fucking Joe to the low. I don't I, know wait, wait. I want y'all to remember this name. Joe to, to the, the low. <laughs> Joe to the motherfucking low. All right, and I gotta listen. If you know, paint me the picture. What year is it? Paint the picture. I want to say when did it start? Like oh eight, oh seven, oh eight. I don't know. I don't know the years. I'm horrible. What with song years. was what songs was popping at that time? Oh my god! Wait, let me let me let me let me paint this fucking picture. Joe to the motherfucking low, a Malaysian dude, right? Mm-hmm. Probably looked like Kim Jong Un. Yeah. A few, a few That's fair. Away. Apparently, he was uh, an arms dealer from Malaysia, mm-hmm. uh, and he just had a ton of fucking money. And I, and yo, I don't know the exact numbers though. But when he would come to Vegas, he would drop four hundred to six hundred thousand a night. God a damn. night. When he was coming, I would get phone calls earlier that day, like yo. I'm emailing you a list of songs, have these songs ready, and you got to play this. When he comes in, you play this. When the bottles come out, when the first round of bottles come out, play this. When the second round of bottles come out, yo, this was the illest spending-ass baller I've ever witnessed in Las fucking Vegas. Joe to the motherfucking low! (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you right now, he was the dude... That would buy a bottle of Patron and a bottle of Cristal for every table in the nightclub. Yeah. Every table in the nightclub. Joe to the motherfucking love. And like, (laughs) to even paint the picture more vividly, the presentations for him would come out 20, 30 bottles at a time. Crazy. Stupid. And I was I witnessed tables getting served bottles courtesy of him too. Yeah, and I'm not talking like once a year. No, I'm talking like <laughs> he's come frequently, almost like, every week, if not every other yeah. week. So he's blowing four hundred thousand dollars in cash every other week or every week. That's Easy. one night. That's yeah. one night. Oh my god. Yeah. That's one night, brother. And he only had he. So it was a one night thing, or he like a spree of three nights in a row. So here, here, let me let me paint the fucking picture, Fuck. right? So I get the email. They're like, "Yo, this motherfucker Joe to the motherfucking low is coming tonight." <laughs> All right. <laughs> you gotta do this. You gotta do this. Yo, look, I'm going in my laptop right now. I'm going into iTunes, okay. and if I type in Joe to the motherfucking low, hold on. 
Yo, when I type in Jolo, this is the songs that pop up. Raiders of the Lost Ark theme song. <laughs> Star Wars theme song. Jaws theme song. Superman theme song. Iron Man theme song. Transformers theme song. Empire Strikes Back. And the one song that this motherfucker loved. I don't know why this motherfucker loved this song. <laughs> Laurent. I don't even know how to say this motherfucker's name. Laurent Wolf. No stress. We had to play this song. Yeah. Do you remember this? Yeah, I got it in my. I remember. This, yo, this is the most <laughs> awful song ever, and we had to play this like twenty times in one night. And the, and the vocals are just. <laughs> Sound like some disco shit. Sound of that record. Yeah, and, and then the bottles good. come out. Yo, man, shut the fuck up, man. <laughs> Yo, y'all record. motherfuckers say shut the fuck up. That shit's not bad. Yeah, the vocals are good. Yeah, yeah. But I shouldn't be playing that shit 20 times in one night. So, like, yo, these clubs did not give a fuck about the regular patrons. They did not give a fuck. They didn't care if this cleared out the room. Yeah. They only cared about Joe to the motherfucking low. <laughs> You keep saying his name. It's fucking hilarious. Yo, I'm not fucking with you, man. Like, they did not care about nothing. So he was the guy. The, you were playing for him most of the night. For sure. People would come up and want to strangle me. Like, motherfuckers wanted to fuck me up. Why are we hearing this song? What the fuck is this? Play some hip. Play, play this. Play that. And I couldn't say nothing. Yeah. And I would be there DJing sometimes till 8 a.m. in the motherfucking morning. And there would be nobody in the club. There would be nobody in the fucking club. It would just be all the cocktail waitresses dancing, all the go-go dancers, all the buses, all the staff. The buses just, dancing? I mean, I'm, I'm painting this picture. I mean, yeah, probably. Right? Yeah. But no, but they were, they were like, yo, everyone was just dancing around Joe to the motherfucking low. And he would just kept buying bottles, kept buying bottles, just kept buying it. At what point did he buy breakfast? Yo, this is the crazy shit. This is the crazy shit. All this money, all this overtime, and us DJs never got shit. Nope. He never came up and gave you like a tip. No. He may have, but he would never give me the tip. He might say like, pause, yo, pause. He might say, yo, give five thousand to the DJ, but that five thousand never came to <laughs> never me. <got> it. <laughs> you know they what got, I'm saying? They got lost in translation. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Like he could have been like, "Yo, like, oh." Did yeah, he ever come to the booth and be like, "Yo"? No, he he would only head. send like he would send maybe like two bottles of champagne. Yeah. He'd maybe send like a bottle of champagne to the DJ. But I would be there till six a.m. Sometimes, man. Can I set the scene from the party I did for him? Yeah, literally got a call like, "Hey, can you do his birthday party at a certain pool out here?" What was his name? Joe to the motherfucking low. Joe to the motherfucking low. <laughs> So I, I get there. It literally looked like a fucking like circus. Like there were like How? caged animals in the pool. Oh my so god! So like a, like Wait, a tiger. What? Yeah, like tigers in cages in the pool. Like drowning in the pool? No, no. They were like they were like above. <laughs> they were like on, on. They were like on platforms. Yeah, they were like elevated on platforms. Um, he was so rich. He had dead tigers in the pool. Synchronized, <laughs> synchronized <laughs> swimmers in the pool. I want tigers. Put it in the pool. Yeah. But they're going to drown Joe, though. I don't care. Put them in the pool. <laughs> so, yeah, like elevated cages. I'll pay for this. Yeah, synchronized swimmers in the pool. I am Joe to the motherfucking low. <laughs> you had dudes. 
dudes like uh, like blowing fire out of their mouth. Like Paris Hilton was there. Yo, the celebrities. Yeah. Yo, he would pay celebrities to hang out with him. Like, like Jamie Foxx was there. Usher was there. Um, Leonardo would have. Yo, yeah. you saw this article that I posted, right? Yeah. yeah. He gave Leonardo. Uh, he he took this money from Malaysia. And I don't know. I think Malaysia is the third world country. I don't know what the fuck is yeah. Malaysia. I don't know. I'm sure they could have used these billions of dollars and millions of dollars yeah. to help the people of Malaysia. <laughs> and this dude was like trying to make new friends and get some ass. Like and Paris, get like celebrity ass. He did get some ass. Paris Hilton sang him happy birthday. I remember that. God. Yo. Like, it was just... <laughs> It was crazy. Yeah. It was one of the wildest face. it was one of the wildest what, scenes I ever experienced. What year was this? This was 08. Yo, we saw Paris Hilton frequently with Joe yeah. to the motherfucking low. Like he she was there. We were like, yo, is she like like she it giving, was it was wild. Is she giving this dude WAP? Like, are they dating? Is Jolo smashing is Paris he Hilton? Toppy? <laughs> like yo, wow. How much did he surprised. give her? He gave, I didn't, I didn't mention, he gave I didn't that mention one that. model. He gave that one model uh, eight no. million in diamonds. Miranda Kerr, and they were dating for a year. And it was like it was like uh, an affair. I mean, yeah, they, was they really dating? He was just getting top. He was just smashing. I think he. Was I don't think he was getting anything. You know, I think they. Were, I don't think he was. I think maybe they kissed and she would sit on his lap. That's crazy. So I. So when I when I posted this shit on the Instagram. A couple of people started giving, feeding me a little information. Uh-huh. Mm, Some people spicy. who were behind the scenes, spicy. part of the Joe Low camp. Uh-huh. Jo- no, you guys said it the right way. Joe to the motherfucking <laughs> Low. <laughs> Posse. <laughs> the Posse was deep. Man. So this is, for, this is the information I got. <laughs> is that, so this person was like, yo, I made probably like $70,000 $70, off of Joe Low. Like at least at least seventy thousand, and I was like, "Well, what did you do? Like, uh-huh. how did you earn that seventy thousand? It's a female I'm talking to, by the way. Uh-huh. Um, she was like, "Well, I didn't like, I didn't do nothing nasty." I said, "Well, did you like, you know, did you give him sex? Would you guys, you know?" She's like, "No, but I would get him sex." Yeah. And I was like, "Yo, was this dude like a scumbag? Uh-huh. Was he like a David Blazarian, just smashing mm-hmm. like hookers and like doing cocaine?" Yeah. She was like, no, he was actually like a really humble, lonely dude who wanted to be in love. Like, he wanted to just be loved. Wow. Damn, man. Damn. So that's why when she said that and I and I look back at the Miranda Kerr thing, uh-huh. there's no way he fucked up. Right. I think she played him on. And uh, incidentally, that chick Miranda Kerr is married to the... The founder of uh, Snapchat, who's a billionaire. He's 27 years old. Of course. Like, yo. She's 36. Go digging ass motherfucking Miranda Kerr. Went from Jolo to Snapchat, yo. How could you leave Jolo like that, Miranda? (laughs) (laughs) Damn, man. Yo, he gave uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Picasso? Picasso's Basquiat's. And he had to give it back, right? He had to give it back. You think she's coughing up that 8.1 million of... She did. She has to. Or she's going to go to jail. Damn. Or it's going to come out of her pocket. So she has to give yeah. it up. My so only thing is like... How much she sold it? Huh? How much she sold those diamonds? She better buy it back and get it back. You know what I mean? You got to do you it. you say he's on the run, right? I don't know if he's on the run. I think, yeah. yeah, I think they, they I think said so. in the article that he was somewhere in China. Yeah, chilling. I'm telling you, I, you know... I, I know this DJ that was DJing late at a pool this over the summer, 
And he, this dude kept him, like, late. And I thought it was him. I couldn't swear it's him. But yeah, well, like, now no. you think it, it could have been it him. It sounds like him because I saw the bottles coming out in that video. And it was a big Ace of Spades bottles. He's like, yeah, this is a high roller. He just spent 80K. So it does kind of – and he was, you know. Was this in Vegas? Yeah. But so, I'm, I'm telling you right now, this isn't like he only did this in Vegas. Yeah. He did this. He had at, to – In New York. All over. I got New York motherfuckers DMing me like, yo. I had to stay open until six, and I like I would leave, yo, and I would have them put on a mixtape. Yo, yeah. he did this in New York, he did this in Miami, he did this in like Sancho Pay, he did it everywhere, man. That's yeah, a, man. that's crazy. That's millions and millions and millions. And there was of always dollars. so much mystery, at least to what, what did I understood. He do? Yeah, like uh, people would say, oh, he he deals weapons or he or he does something for the government. Like I heard all kinds of stories. Dude, that's a lot of fucking money. Someone, yo, someone fucked just up like and gave him the company dealer? card. Yeah. So can you imagine that? Someone just gave him the company card. <laughs> He's and like, yo, we need you to handle some business in Vegas. Just like go and just wild the fuck out. He's like, what's the limit? Oh, there's no limit on the black no, card? No, he probably was like, what's the limit? He's like, okay, I'll get a bottle. Oh, shit, I'll get two. Oh, shit, what happens yeah. if I get 10? Oh, shit, I could keep spending on this card. It just but the way going. he was moving... <laughs> The way he was moving didn't seem like there was any shade to it. Like he was he was moving way too publicly. You know what I mean? To to make it seem like he was doing nah, anything but dirty. After a year, after a year or two, we couldn't shout him out on the mic anymore. Why? Because I didn't know they, that. they were like they, they don't say because we would have to say, "Yo, fucking Joe to the motherfucking low is in the house tonight from Malaysia," and then we would like have to play. And I think at at one point he loved all of the lights. Mm-hmm. So what he would want is all the lights in the club would be off. And then he'd be like, hi, I'm Jolo. And I want you to turn all of the lights. And it'd be like, all of the lights. And then all the lights would come <laughs> on. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yeah, that's God's status, bro. I don't give a fuck what you guys say at this point. And then, he would, this is, and then he, when the, all the lights came out, he'd be like, enjoy yourself. Or he would say something like that. But you couldn't really understand what he's saying because he doesn't know how to hold the mic pause. I was speaking to Mike. So I was like, how are thou? How is our Like, it probably sound like that, right? But all of these you bottles. You sound like King John from I The know. Hangover. <laughs> <laughs> but all of these bottles will come out. And it, everyone be like, yo. And then the waitress will come up and be like, uh, this is a complimentary bottle from Joe to the motherfucking no. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah. then everyone be like, yo, who? I don't know who this dude is, but he's all right. Yeah. Right? Yeah, spending money is a general thing. Like, we don't know who the fuck. We don't know what he do. He cool. He cool with me. I'm sure everyone in the club, like in nightlife, is like, man, remember the Jolo days? <laughs> That's Those a great Jolo yeah. days. Was dope. Jolo days is like a time period. The Jolo days, man. Yo, the the amount of celebrities that would come out for him, yeah. and the amount the the way the nightclubs would bend over backwards for him was insane. This has been the Best of the Road Podcast, Volume 1, brought to you by DJ City and Beat Source. I'm Nudia. It's been so much fun to relive these great, hilarious moments from the boys and the show. Make sure to tune in to next week for Volume 2, and I'll see you then. Bye.